It was in December of 2017. My family and I were heading to Asheville, North Carolina to celebrate New Year's with some close relatives. We were staying in a very nice cabin on a hill about 30 minutes outside of Black Mountain. There was only one way to get to this cabin, one road, one way up and one way down. The first day was very sunny. The cabin looked gorgeous on the outside, two stories. The top story is the first floor and the bottom floor was the basement slash wine cellar. Once we went inside, my parents and my older relatives would sleep on the top floor. As for myself, my siblings, and my cousins, we slept on the bottom floor. To get to this floor, we could use either the very small crane elevator or a narrow spiral staircase. The elevator led right into the wine cellar, the spiral staircase, to an entertainment room. But to get to our rooms, we had to go down what I can best describe as a mine shaft. There was a single light down this hallway, and it just led into darkness until we got to our room. Our room was a long one that could fit up to six beds, with plenty of space to still walk around. It had two doors, one on the far end from me and the other next to my designated bed. On the wall next to my bed, there was a wide mirror that allowed you to see the entire room behind you when looking directly into it. Once we started to get settled, my sister just blurted out, Martha doesn't like all these people here. My brother and I looked at her confused. Now, we had over 15 people in this cabin, and not one of them was named Martha. I asked her, who is Martha? The next words out of my sister's mouth were, the spirit that lives here. At first, I took it as a joke, because siblings like to mess with each other, especially in my family. So I brushed it off as she was just being weird. Well, in the following days, weird things started happening at that cabin. Minor things at first, mostly weird noises, but come January 1st, it really felt like someone or something wanted us out. I woke up that morning freezing, wondering where everyone was and why it was so quiet. I went upstairs and asked my mom what was going on. She said the power's been out for hours. They're going to fix it. I said, okay, but why is it so cold? She said that several of the doors to the cabin burst open in the middle of the night. Specifically, their bedroom door that led outside just seemed to burst open. She also noticed the lock to that door was missing. So they blocked it with a bookshelf, which seemed strange to me. My mom told me I didn't have much time before I needed to pack up and fly back home that day. So I went back downstairs. I suddenly realized how quiet the bottom floor was. Once I was down there, the mineshaft corridor was pitch black, there being no power, of course. I took a deep breath and plunged into the darkness. I made it into the long stretching room where all my belongings were and began to pack. Thankfully, nothing weird or strange happened. There was enough light to see by from the windows. But as I was packing, I had a strange feeling that I was being stared at. The thing that was making me anxious was the fact that everyone in my family was upstairs. I immediately thought about the mirror that was right in front of me and avoided looking at it because I knew I would just scare myself. Once I finished packing, I looked next to the door and there was nothing, but then I took a glance at the mirror and saw the entire room behind me and caught a glimpse of the far end door. It was cracked slightly and I thought I saw a figure, but before I could really take a good look, the door slammed. I turned pale. I peeked around the corner next to me to see if there was anything, but there wasn't. Now that I was all freaked out and packed up, I had to get out of this cabin and go home because I did not want to be there any longer. However, the power was out, and I had two pretty big suitcases, 
I couldn't go up the spiral staircase and the elevator doesn't work. Well, I ended up doing possibly the worst thing I could have chosen. There was an exit, the wine cellar. I used the flashlight on my phone and had one suitcase in either hand and started heading to the wine cellar. I thought it was pitch black before, but when I opened the wine cellar, pure darkness. I took a deep breath, pushed the wine cellar door as far as I could so I would have enough time to make it to the exit. Seemed like a foolproof plan, and that's what I did. I rushed myself across the wine cellar while I had a sliver of light being shined on from behind me. And as soon as I got to the hallway into the wine cellar, the door behind me slammed just as it did before. I was in the darkness now, and the room looked black and white from my flashlight. I was, needless to say, freaking out. I continued to head for the exit. I breathed heavier and heavier with each step, and once I made it to the exit, I tried pushing and pulling on the knob to open the door, and in my frenzy, I managed to get out and was covered in light. Waiting for me was my family, still sitting in the car. I headed toward them, gave them my bags, and sat in the car. They asked me, why did you leave the cellar door open? I said, fuck that place. You close it. My sister behind me got close to me and said, you saw Martha, huh? Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this is Ghoul Intentions. Ghoul Intentions. That's a fucking terrifying story. Oh my story. god. Okay, so that was sent to us by From our, our friend buddy. Alejandro Saab. Who's fucking great. Who's also on the Twitch and the YouTubes as yes. Taggy Films. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, he helped us a lot when we were getting this did. together. He helped us um, so much when we were getting together. the Twitch he ready. And he's also just a great guy. He is. He's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, super talented. We're in some shows together and stuff. Hell yes. We adore you. Alejandro. Thank you for scaring the shit oh out God, of us with that story. story. And remind me to never, out. ever go camping with your family. So good. But at least <laughs> they go camping inside. I guess house. it's not, I guess it's technically not camping. It's just going, it's getting away. Yeah. You have a, ca- a cabin. I don't think it's, I don't think it classifies as camping if you have like electricity. But that does can't classify as fuck. It was fucking scary. Running through the, that's a horror, that's some horror oh, movie shit. God. The wine then, cellar. I could just feel it. I could feel it. Uh, I'd like to say, while I was reading it, it was on the <laughs> other side, just like. <gasps> I just like covered my mouth. Like, oh my God. Don't uh, shout. Um, so yes, thank you, Alejandro. And because of you, um, I was inspired <laughs> for our title. Yeah. Which is Don't Call My Name <laughs> by Lady Gaga from the song Alejandro. <laughs> I don't think I've ever made that any of the, those jokes to him, pretty... to his face. I may have. I don't know. But this one is for you, Alejandro. Thank you. Don't Thank come you and name. Oh. Don't come and name. Okay, now we have to pay for it, so stop. Um, <laughs> yes. And Epic. I think it. I Epic. think it's um, pretty, uh, it's pretty great um, with all of our topics. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm first. And yeah, so you're first. You're I'm first. continuing with our St. John's. Yeah, that was so good last week. From Newfoundland and Labrador. And we've had a few Canadians give us a shout out for that. So we're glad you enjoyed it. Uh, But this story really spoke to me. And so I wanted to uh, go over Catherine Mandeville Snow, Catherine Snow, who haunts the old courthouse. 
or the mm. new courthouse as the case may be. Um, I looked up Stephen Barnes again with exemplar.com, Murderpedia, Terry Bradbury with the Telegram, and niftyatheist.com. Nice. Okay. And, uh, oh, yeah, no Murderpedia. I said that. Okay. After being convicted of murdering her husband, Catherine Mandeville Snow would become the last woman hanged in Canada on June 21st, 1834. Catherine has reportedly been seen haunting the St. John's Supreme Courthouse ever since. It's creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, I like to sometimes pause and see if Michael's going to say anything. And I, I'm always, totally, I I'm am, still, I'm sorry, I'm still I'm reeling from Alejandro's I know, story. It's so good. <laughs> so it's I'm so like, good. okay, Cordes, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Ooh, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in campfire story mode now. So right. I'm just like, I'm just, it's I am also, bug eyed and completely <laughs> enraptured by your story. And we're also, and a, and a drink or two in. Yeah. <laughs> Feels good. We haven't really been able to drink in the past few podcasts know, because we've been we've so fucking medicine. sick. There's no, all that day quills out of my system for the day. So let's do it. <laughs> he came over and I was like, make me a drink and make it right now. It's like I was going to anyway. So it's perfect. Uh, so yes, we are maybe a little more imbibed than we normally are, but that's all right. It makes the stories even better. It's extra drunk. Hysteria. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, uh. So, Catherine's reporting the courthouse. You think it's creepy? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Born in Harbor Grace, Harbor with a U, uh, Newfoundland. Harbor. Harbor. You have, when you see that, when you Harbor. see the, the British or the Canadian spelling, do you always want to be like Harbor? Harbor. Oh, I yes. like I like your hair. What 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 would you call that color? Color or color? <laughs> color. Uh, Harbor Grace, Newfoundland. And Labrador, uh, but mostly Newfoundland. Around 1793, Catherine Mandeville moved to Salmon Cove, where she took up with and later married John Snow. <laughs> That's his real name. Did she tell him? Would she constantly tell him he knew nothing? Oh, he I, possibly, but he knows nothing now because he's dead as hell. <laughs> they had. He seven, may know a lot more than we do. We didn't know how to use protection or pulling out because they had seven children. Oh my god! And according to reports, also had a very tumultuous, tumultuous relationship. Neighbors say they had violent and loud fights all the time. Oh. No. And Catherine had a habit of throwing things at John. On the night of August 31st, 1833, following one of these altercations, John Snow disappeared. Mm. He went north of the wall. Spoiler. <laughs> An investor. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a wrong uh, I remember when okay. that show was good. Oh, man, if you're bummed <sighs> about Lord of the Rings or that's not the right show. <laughs> it's an honest no, mistake. <laughs> no, one's, no one's bummed about Lord of the Rings. They're bummed about Hobbit. No, similar. Yeah. If you're bummed about Game of Thrones <laughs> and you haven't yet watched Good Omens, watch Good Omens. It makes everything okay. Oh, yeah. I need to get on that. I need oh, to get on. I'm going to get on that. I'm going to get on so that. Bad. Okay. An investigation into the disappearance was ordered. When dried blood was found on Jon Snow's Salmon Cove Wharf, the police were convinced they were dealing with a case of murder. But Sean Stowe, he's not really dead. Well. There's going to be a lot of these jokes. I just, you should be prepared. I'm going to stop saying his name now. <laughs> call him, call him Johnny Ice. John <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Ice sounds like someone that might be dead. That's true. Who might be murdered. Right. And was clearly a, a serial killer. Johnny Ice. I mean, it's in his name. Yeah. It's, he, he, <laughs> he was, was ordered by the mob. And then he Johnny Ice has iced a lot of people, but now it's time for Johnny Ice to be iced. You know what I'm saying? You want I should bump him? That's from Oscar. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. 
This is going to be a real mess today. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Two men were quickly arrested on suspicion of having committed the crime. One was Tobias Mandeville, who was 25, a first cousin of Catherine, who, with whom? (laughs) Catherine. Catherine of Catherine. With, (laughs) God damn it. This is a serious story. It is a serious story. I'm loving everything about this. <laughs> Thomas Mandeville. <laughs> give me, you're gonna have to give me a second. <laughs> I have all the things that you do to make me laugh. Saying Cutherin was Cutherin. just it's just funny. That's um, my favorite. That may be my favorite. That's kissing cousins, Cutherin. <laughs> Uh, it's true because they were allegedly having an affair. Oh, gross. But here's the fun part of that is, in my opinion, is Tobias was 25. But this was 1833 and Catherine was born in in about 1793. So she's, so. 40. Wow. Supposedly, so she's like 90 having, by those standards. Yeah, and supposedly, and seven children, and supposedly having an affair with a 25 year old. Interesting. Weird. That's, yeah. You don't hear a lot about You don't hear a lot you don't about hear, that. I mean, just, I mean, I'm not going to say it's kind of empowering to know it that is. a woman that age. Get it, Catherine. I mean, because it doesn't usually, usually it's the creepy old guy yep. that's getting the young ones, but the young you women's. Know. Go, Catherine. Uh, the other <laughs> of the guys that was arrested was Arthur Spring, 28 years old, a household servant. Upon hearing of the arrests, Catherine fled into the woods to hide, but later turned herself into authorities in Harbor Grace. Harbor. Harbor. Shortly after his arrest, Arthur Spring confessed to the crime, telling the sheriff, we killed him, Mandeville and myself, and Mrs. Snow. Arthur said that the trio had shot John Snow and then tossed the body into the Atlantic. Though the yeah, the two men each tried to blame the other for being the one to actually pull the trigger. Catherine vehemently, (laughs) vehemently, vehement. I, you know what? Every way you say it is correct, as far as I'm concerned. Strongly maintained her innocence. (laughs) Did you just porky pig? You just be like strongly, strongly. I did. I did. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it. I read it and I write it all the time and I can never say it when it comes out time. It's not time to say it out loud. But in all fairness, I can't say a third of the words I'm talking right now. So, for example, <laughs> that lessens. Okay. <laughs> in spite of their confessions, Tobias and Arthur both pleaded not guilty to the murder charges and were, along with Catherine, brought to trial in St. John's on January 10th, 1834. How are you going to plead not guilty to murder charges when you confess to murdering someone? Yeah, I don't know. That's Uh, weird. But I guess it happens all the time. The trial took just 12 hours, and the jury deliberated for only 30 minutes. Though there was no evidence to support Catherine having been present at the murder or even conspiring to commit it, and even though the attorney general, James Sims, told the jury there is no direct or positive evidence of her guilt, she was, along with the two men, found guilty of the murder. The three were sentenced to hang. Tobias and Arthur were hanged a few days after the trial, but it was discovered that Catherine was pregnant with her eighth child. Good Lord. They allowed in her, her 40s. In her 40s. Then. Like, she's a miracle. She That's is a walking miracle. I mean, yeah. They're like, we got to, she's a witch, clearly. We right, just, she's a witch. We're just, we're just, We just need a legal pretext to kill her. And Jon Snow said that. And she's like, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. And then <laughs> I can't help Another myself. fantasy. Another I'm fantasy. I'm a real fucking mess. Okay. 
They allowed her to carry the child to term and nurse him for a few months. Rather surprisingly to me, the Catholic Church tried to have her sentence commuted because they believed she was innocent. Unfortunately, their efforts were in vain. Reverend Thomas Waldron gave the newborn baby a baptism on March 22nd of 1834, and then on July 21st, the Reverend prayed with Catherine before she was hanged outside the courthouse on Duckworth Street. Her last words were, I was a wretched woman, but I am as innocent of any participation in the crime of murder as an unborn child. The church did give her a proper Christian burial, though, and she was laid to rest in the old Catholic cemetery in St. John's. Several days after the execution, Catherine's ghost started showing up in the old courthouse and outside where she had been hanged. The cemetery where she is buried also had sightings. Local newspapers even reported the sightings at the time. The old courthouse burned down in 1846, but she was seen during the reconstruction, and when the new building opened in 1847, her ghost made her presence known again. Mm. The Great Fire of 1892, remember there were two of the fires. That's right. It's a very flammable city. It's very flammable. Destroyed the courthouse for a second time. It was rebuilt again in 1902, and Catherine's ghost returned. Her spirit is seen throughout the building, and people claim that phantom footsteps belong to her. The elevator goes up and down on its own as well. Mm. On top of that, pun intended, (laughs) you'll see why in a second, St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church was built in 1893 where the old Catholic cemetery, 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 fuck, (laughs) where the old Catholic cemetery had been. Literally on top of it. Oh. Yeah. And there is no... Why why does that happen so much? Why does that happen so much? I don't know. There is no record that bodies were moved, including that of Catherine Snow. It should come as no surprise that her spirit has been seen walking the grounds of the church. Mm. So, Mm. in 2012, nearly 200 years after her hanging, the case was reopened by the Newfoundland Historical Society, and Catherine was given a new trial. Oh, 460 people showed up to sit in the audience and serve as jury. Catherine was exonerated. Damn. But she is still seen regularly around the courthouse and the church. Because it does feel like, hey, thanks, but But, y'all didn't do this to me. Other people did. Right. mm, Yeah. Now in the court of my law, y'all get fucked. Now, there isn't actually here. But it's not what you think. What's the actually? It seems her ghost is real. Okay. It's been documented numerous times. I mean, what doesn't seem to be real is the facts surrounding John Snow's Snow's Johnny Ice's Johnny Ice's Johnny Ice's icing. Snow's death. I was putting snow and death together. Snow's Snow's. (laughs) That's a website you go to find actuallys. That's true. (laughs) Snow's.com. Fuck. We're so sorry, you guys. They Uh, love it, I hope. So, okay. Now, the more I got into it, the more bullshit I found out about what happened and the way she was treated and why she was hanged. Oh, shit. And after reading all of the evidence, I was trying to put into words, and then I found this blog that put everything into perfect words for me. So I want to, I'm just going to read it. (laughs) Okay. Because why rewrite what? If it ain't broke. So wonderfully. So this is from niftyatheist.com. And the blog is called Nifty Ideas. And it was Wednesday, April 25th, 2012, that this was written. Okay. The title is called 
then and now, woman hanged for being a slut. <gasps> slut shaming in the yeah. 1830s. So here we go. You Some ready? things never fucking change. One month ago, on Thursday, March 29th, in St. John's, Newfoundland, a mock retrial of the infamous 1834 case of Catherine Snow was held. Mrs. Snow is the last woman to be executed in Newfoundland. She was tried and convicted of the murder of her husband. Two men who worked for the husband were also tried and convicted of murder. One of them was Catherine Snow's cousin and alleged lover. The other, an indentured servant. The husband, John Snow, had disappeared in August 1833, and no trace of him was ever found. Catherine Snow protested her innocence of the crime right up until the moment of her execution. After the recent mock trial, several journalists reported with satisfaction that the modern jury of some 400-plus citizens, both male and female in our enlightened age, had voted to overturn the conviction of Catherine Snow, and all hands appeared to be pleased that justice had finally been served. Mm. I am afraid I am a far less agreeable temperament, however. I am too inconveniently inclined to look not just at the general outcome of the vote, but at the details and what they might say about pe how people think, which is why I have written about this today. The case was notorious because Catherine Snow was widely believed to have been innocent of the murder of her husband, yet was convicted of the crime by an all-male jury, reacting mainly to the accusation that she was an adulteress. There was no physical evidence at all connecting Catherine Snow to the crime. Even for that time, such a deficiency of evidence would have ordinarily caused sufficient doubt about a person's guilt to prevent a murder conviction, and perhaps even prevent a wrongful arrest in the first place, especially when there were two people already convicted who had confessed to the crime. Like what? They, mm. Like but, how did it get as far? How did how did it get as far? To, how did it even get to a fucking jury? It's going to make you angry. Are you I'm ready? already angry. But Catherine Snow's case was special, you see. She was a woman and a wife. Mm. As a wife, she was the property of her husband, John Snow, in <sighs> accordance with English common law in the 1830s. <sighs> because she was little more than a piece of chattel, a woman's human rights were almost non-existent. Unlike a male prisoner... Catherine Snow was not considered a person of equal worth to a man. So the care that might normally have been given to ensure that justice was served in a capital crime trial appears to have been considered unnecessary. Oh my fuck. Moreover, as a woman who may have been unfaithful to her owner slash husband, she was a wretched woman and a sinner of a most particular kind. <sighs> Remember, she said, I may have been a wretched woman in her- Right, right, yeah. right, right. But she did not kill him, yeah. So, although she may have been a wretched woman who deserved, she deserved to be punished. Gossip and rumor from John Snow's hometown's people was enough to tarnish Catherine Snow's reputation, which, in turn, was enough to prejudice a judge and jury to convict her without evidence and apparently without hesitation, even when the penalty for the conviction was death. Likewise, the indentured servant, Arthur Spring, was John Snow's property. In those harsh mm -hmm. times, it was difficult to survive indentured servitude, what with beatings, overwork, and the overwork, and the habitual refusal of owners to honor the terms of contracts. Only about 40% of indentured servants survived to avail their eventual emancipation. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, indentured servitude is essentially slavery. Like you're mm -hmm. buying, you owe someone a debt, and so they're like, okay, cool, you can sign this contract, which means you will work for me until that debt is paid off. But you work yeah. for free until the the whoever you owe it to is like, yep, you're done. Yeah. I mean, it's it's essentially slavery. And it still with, happens. People, people yes. will come here 
yes, and work in nail salons and have their passports up. taken away until they work off all of the money that they're supposed to have paid back Ugh. for their trip here. Yeah, it's pretty, and and it's at an in, insane interest rate too. So yeah, so like you 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 can be an indentured servant, or could be, or and still fuck still now. It sounds like you can yeah. be an indentured for the rest of your fucking Pretty life. For the rest of your, because in the 1830s, only 40 percent, like it said, survived mm-hmm. for their until they made their emancipation. But should a servant dare to challenge a master's authority, the full weight of the law and the citizenry would come down and crush him or her. Just like runaway slaves in the USA during that era, indentured servants were hunted down if they ran away from an abusive master, and the law would punish anyone who tried to help them. Mm. That's fucking, I mean, it's just, it's terrifying to even think about. Like, that's that's the most terrifying thing about this story, mm-hmm. is like how these two people were just not considered, like they people. did not... Yeah, they were just yeah. like, you're not people. So this is from... Uh, Your property that's gone afoul. A local newspaper. Um, this is from a local newspaper at the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Deserted from the service of the subscriber on Monday last, Joseph Delaney, an indented apprentice about five feet, three inches in height, had on a moleskin jacket and blue trousers. Whoever harbors or employs the said apprentice after this public notice, shall be prosecuted with the utmost rigor of the law. John Berrigan, Taylor, St. John's, June 6, 1833. Mm. According to testimony, John Snow was a moody, difficult, possibly violent man. He is believed to have beaten his wife and mistreated his servants. None of this was considered relevant in the murder trial, perhaps rightly so, but it begs the question of why other irrelevant testimony was allowed by the judge and taken into consideration by the jury. For example, there was no evidence connecting Catherine Snow to the crime of the alleged murder and disappearance of her husband, but the court heard repeated reference, references to her alleged infidelity and to the reports that Catherine was believed to have fought back against Jon Snow's beatings by throwing things at him. Or defending herself. Or defending herself. So what a the, all of the reports of their violent marriage and her throwing things at him was really her protecting herself from him beating the shit out of her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my fucking god. Most I just of don't, the it yeah. is alarming to see how how incredibly asleep at the wheel an entire culture can be. Uh, yeah. With, and when they just get so mad at this fucking woman who dared, you know. Uh, step out of line. Right, well... Like, maybe the fucking line is stupid, you guys. Yeah, maybe y'all think about that? Maybe the line is bad? Maybe the line is dumb? It's... Yeah. yeah. Well, just Ugh. wait. Okay, most oh, of Oh, God, I'm so fucking mad I know, right this now. is why I'm I was so like... Mad. I'm just gonna let her do it because it makes me so mad I can't rewrite this. Okay, most of the 1834 jury, male citizens all would also have been the owners of wives and indentured servants. Just the idea that a wife and a servant might have the audacity to plot with the wife's alleged lover to murder their owner, no doubt chilled the blood in the juror's veins. A woman trying to take her fate into her own hands, defying her husband, fighting back against his discipline, taking a lover, seems to have been so upsetting to these men that they convicted Catherine Snow of the murder of her husband out of fear that she might embolden other women like their wives and as a punishment for her rebellion against her lot in life. In spite of confessions from the actual killers, including outright testimony from one of the killers that Catherine Snow had known nothing of the plot, even though he had nothing to gain by exonerating her, and in spite 
of the fact that there was absolutely no evidence to support the charges, the jury, knowing very well that she would be sentenced to death, took less than half an hour to convict her. And they probably only fucking took that long because they wanted to smoke. Yep. Fuck them. Fuck every single one of, of them. them. Eternally. Yes. They convicted her basically because they saw her as a rebellious slut. Yeah. They were like, um, we can't let her go free because mm-hmm. it'll give our property ideas. Yep. They they convicted her because they wanted to make an example of her. The male citizens of the colony wanted to send a clear message to women. Never forget that a woman whose reputation had been ruined, whether by her own actions or by the malicious go- gossip of others, does not matter, would be stripped of any defense for any crime. She would be judged on her perceived character, not on whether or not there was any evidence that she is guilty of a crime. Shorter version, sluts would be shown no mercy. At the retrial last month, this was in 2012, remember? Excuse me. It was established that the facts of the case are clear. There was a total absence of incriminating evidence against Catherine Snow in 1834, and this fact remains undisputed today. No new evidence, which might have pointed unambiguously to her guilt, was ever brought forward. The woman was wrongfully executed, and the modern trial was meant to demonstrate how modern social mores and stricter legal protections that guarantee that convictions will be based upon evidence are superior to those of a bygone era. And then... You would hope. They held the vote. A majority, approximately 250 of the modern jurors, voted to acquit Catherine Snow, which led to the jubilant reports about the exoneration for Catherine Snow, the wonders of modern justice, and the superiority of modern egalitarian sensibilities. Hmm. Not widely reported, however, was that nearly 200 of the assembled jurors withheld their eye for acquittal, declaring that there was not enough evidence to acquit. You've read that correctly, or you've listened to that correctly, I guess. (laughs) Nearly half of a crowd of modern men and women living in a society which claims to go beyond the principles of innocent until proven guilty, or by the principles of innocent until proven guilty, and convictions based upon evidence would not acquit a defendant of a crime for which there was no evidence against her and, furthermore, made the astonishing assertion that in order to acquit they would require evidence of innocence. Apparently, unless Catherine Snow could prove that she did not murder her husband, Your Honor, here's a gun without my fingerprints on it, and here's another gun without my (laughs) fingerprints on it, and another. Obviously, a nearly impossible task since there was no physical evidence in the case. These jurors refused to acquit, leaving the ghost of Catherine Snow still languishing in jail, I guess. They were not going to acquit her because there was no evidence not connecting her to the crime. What the fuck? I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, oh, fuck, it's, yeah. so, it's so disappointing uh-huh. and discouraging. I don't even have words also, for it. It's fucking angering. It just shows you that we're it, in many pockets of uh-huh. society. Um, there still exists the same fucking sentiment that, that, that fucking killed her in the uh-huh. 1830s. Absolutely. Also, four modern jurors voted guilty. Apparently, they had just arrived from 1834 via some sort of time machine. Modern my ass. The self-congratulatory... I mean, she's a slut. I don't know why I give them that accent, but in my mind, they're just the worst fucking people. She's a slut, eh? No, you know what? In my mind, they all sound like William F. Buckley. If you don't know who that is, look him up. He's just got the most infuriating mannerisms. Did. He's dead now. He was an asshole. 
the self-congratulatory reporting on CBC, CBC and the local newspaper, The Telegram, focused only on the majority opinion. The full vote was glossed over, and even the verdict, acquittal, was incorrectly reported with misleading headlines like, retrial finds last hanged women not guilty. The story was spun as an example of modern fairness and equal treatment of both genders before the law. Aren't we just the best society now? I guess I'm just curmudgeonly, being far less inclined to uncritically accept the rosiest interpretation of this event. I insist on focusing on the large minority who did not vote for acquittal and the fraction who incredibly still voted guilty. What does it say about modern society when a case this clear-cut can still only produce a split decision rather than the unanimous acquittal that the facts of the case demand after failing to result in the resounding dismissal it ought to have received instead of ever having gone to trial at all? Mm. Spectators' remarks, and particularly some misogynistic comments below the new articles, reveal that slut-blaming and slut-punishing are alive and well. We talk of how things have gotten so much better for women. In some ways, things have gotten better. Since about midway through the 20th century, in some Western countries at least, women have finally ceased to be the legal property of men for the first time in history. Stories like this, however... At least on paper. Right. Stories like this, however, reveal just how deeply cultural misogyny is ingrained. If Catherine Snow was really on trial today, I am uncomfortable with her odds. We still got a long way to go. yeah. And that's, you know, I will say, I guess I understand the news outlets like need to like, let's, we want to try to, I mean, they did, you know, the the jury did acquit her, but like, I think trying to spin it in this rosy light of like, look, Mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh, that's, we're so much more modern now. I think it creates a lot of harm because Mm -hmm. the people that are on the right side of history the some of the newer generations who are younger that don't maybe they're lucky enough to grow up in a in, in a progressive pocket of of the world or society that they don't see how deep the problem is or that it's still there. Yeah. And movies like or movies uh, articles like that news that kind of news zeitgeist that you see can create the illusion that the fight's over. Yeah. That's not. You know, it's like I and this is in no way related, but except thematically, but I remember the movie Day After Tomorrow came mm-hmm. out years ago before climate change was was uh, as hotly contested or bandied around word as it is now. Um, but at the time it was still it was gaining traction and people went to see this movie and it was a very positive film and it ended with like, oh my god, it ended where like all the powers that be that had denied climate change or global warming. We're like, yay, we're convinced now. we got to change. And people clapped and whatever. And I walked out of that movie going, man, that scares me that that movie got made because we're a long way from that ending. Yeah. And and But now how many people will kind of, good people who will think, who will be complacent because they think that film is a representation of where we actually are. Yeah. And no, we're not. We're still fucking doing things that are killing the climate and 20, nearly 20 years later. Right. And it's fucked up. And here we are in, you know, 1830, a woman is fucking property. Another guy was somebody else's property yes. and they got fucking acquitted. Well, and like, you never uh, got, Excuse to. me, got, got sent to their deaths when the jury a bunch of fucking men uh, thought about it for half an hour. How is this going to affect me? <clears throat> yeah. That's what it was all about. It's not about what was right or just. We got to we gotta see. Like, and that's that's the thing. Like, I, to some extent, I get when something like that happens. Like, there's some incident that happens and people that are really vested in the system go, I don't like that I'm doing this. But if we let this woman go, I'm sure several jurors had this conversation. Maybe they didn't. But in my movie, they did. <laughs> they have this conversation with themselves. Like, I don't like doing this, but I feel like we have to because otherwise it's chaos. Otherwise, the whole system will break down. And at some point, you have to be 
forward thinking enough to realize, well, if the system is vulnerable to that kind of thing, like if the system, if the system is so fucked up that the only way to maintain it is to kill an innocent fucking person, maybe mm-hmm. the system is fucked. Right. Maybe it's the system that should die. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, but I'm, you know, but the system, I'm doing okay by the system. I don't right. want to fuck with the system. I mean, what's, what's, I don't know this woman and eh, whatever. She's a slut anyway. Right. You know, and so they can just, they can gets. write her off. They can dehumanize it. And gets. they're just, yeah. and all they're doing is serving their own interests. They're mm-hmm. not the least bit interested in justice. They're just worried about like, well, but my comfort zone is being challenged right, right now. My my sense of the status quo is yeah. now on trial. And so I have to save that and fuck this woman. Who cares? Yeah. She's exactly. not me. She's not my wife. She's yeah. not my daughter. She's not my friend. She's well, not it makes my you whatever. Wonder about, you know, the confessions. If it's an indentured servant and they're like, you know, of course he was abusive to you. Of course you killed him. Of course you killed him. Like, you never know with the, well, especially back then. I mean, if, if police will coerce somebody to confess now they certainly fucking did it back then well yeah because back then especially they, 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 again another john mulaney joke who i'm really getting into lately but he was like he's how great. did how did anyone solve crimes before dna evidence they yeah. like he's like i picture this thing with like someone going yeah uh, hey detective we just found a bunch of the uh of the the murderer's blood here in the hallway and he's like and the guy is like gross clean it up now back to my hunch right and it's like so of course they had to fucking uh, rely well, on and I mean, dodgy fucking methods to get a case closed me- because they then- hadn't they had so little else to go on. Eventually, you get to good circumstantial evidence. And the and the prosecutor at the time said, though, we have good circumstantial evidence, but they didn't. And that's the shitty thing. Like, circumstantial yeah. evidence can work, but there has to be something uh, there. There has to be an overwhelming you know? and that's amount why of it. it. I mean, such an example, and I don't want to hit on this too long because I don't want to seem like I'm dwelling on it, but a great example of that is the Believe Women, Believe Victims hashtag that goes around, yeah. the, the the belief that goes around. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, and I actually retweeted a very smart woman who talked about it. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, that mm-hmm. it's not about believing everybody without any, you know, even if somebody is obviously not telling the truth, believing them anyway. It's not about that. It's that between if a woman has a story and a man has the story, don't believe just the man because he's there. The woman should like, be believed the, just as much. Claims of rape or sexual harassment by a woman are the only fucking crime that gets treated like it does. Yes. If you come into a police station and say, I just got my car broken into, none of the police officers on duty are going to be like, well, where did you park? What were you wearing? What were you wearing? What yeah. color was your car? Yes. Did you lock the door? They're going to be Why on didn't it. You they, say there's, there's, there are them. there There's machinery yeah. in place in the law system to make sure that, that cop knows exactly what he or she is supposed yes. to do. They don't immediately go, whatever. But the minute someone comes, and it's not not just women, but it's overwhelmingly yeah. women yes. that come in with claims and they immediately get, it's like the first, the first instinct of, uh, of a lot of people is to just be like, are you sure? And yeah. I'm like, that's the only crime where that happens. And it's, and it, it comes from, of that course, happens. that self-serving bullshit of, wait a minute, if this guy can go down for doing this to that girl, then, then am what? I not allowed to do that to this one? Am I wrong? Oh, well, I guarantee you, every yeah. guy. Maybe you are. Guy, just fucking rethink when, it. When a when when a woman comes forward with accusations of sexual assault of any kind, like just about every guy, I, speaking as a guy who is gay mm-hmm. and have has never been interested in a woman uh, in any sense, like physically, I can tell you, every guy immediately goes. What, have I done something that could be read that way? And it, I think, no, and there's two kinds, and, and to speak broadly, I think there are two kinds of guys in that situation after that point. There's a guy that goes, yeah, but fuck him. That's right. my right as a I dude. Should I should be able to do want. that. Yeah. Why can't she just fucking toughen up and take it? It's not that big of a deal. The same guys, if I came up and pinched their ass, they would have a fucking hissy. Right. Um, 
I'm just saying. Like I had a guy, kind of a misogynistic guy I knew years ago. We're not friends anymore. And because of some of the shit that came out of his mouth. And I was like, what the fuck? And he said something like he would post shit on, on social media like, oh, okay, girls, uh, you want to be treated equally? Then buy your own fucking drinks or shit like that. And I was like, and he, and he went, there's like, well, I mean, I don't get, I don't get in bars for free because I'm dressed in something sexy. I'm like, oh, bitch, you wouldn't the bar I'd take you to. Like, hey, right. you want a free drink? Come to my bar, motherfucker. But yeah. again, it's like homophobia and all this misogyny is related. Homophobia is, is the deeply misogynistic belief that, or the, the fear that you will be treated by a man how you treat women. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same thing, but, you know, just goes into this whole systematic bullshit. It's like guys just are, they're, they're raised to believe that you're not a man unless you can own something right or or have or or make someone you know unless you can get what you want regardless like there's someone there are a lot of fucking men out there and it's goddamn scary there are a lot of men out there that feel like they shouldn't have to men in general but right there's some good i mean there's a lot of great men out there well of course it doesn't just because you have those issues with the way society is doesn't mean you hate men because you love men I love men. I love men. I love men. But anyway, I didn't want to dwell on it too much, but it's such a great Well, but example. it's a great example of this poor fucking woman who was going through something, you know, that that she was already, her life was probably already hell. Yeah. Because not only is she a woman, but she's also- She's had she, seven fucking She's had children. seven- I was working on her She had an eighth. And eighth. everybody believed- She's in her believed. fucking 40s, which back oh, then was like, you were, you were damaged goods. And everybody is, uh, believed that that child was Jon Snow's. Nobody in any of the readings that I said thought that read thought it was Tobias's, which leads me to believe she wasn't actually having that affair. She might have been having an affair with someone else because she did say she was a wretched woman, but she also lived with Jon Snow before they got married. So that could have been what yeah, it was. Yeah, but when she but, said wretched, she could have also just meant like, look at my fucking life, guys. No, wretched at the time meant. Wretched meant a lot of things, and she yeah. could have been clever enough to be use it. Uh, who, knows? who knows? But who but, knows? If she wanted to fuck around on a shitty husband, she can fuck around. As far as I'm concerned, she can fuck yeah, around on a if shitty you start husband. Punching her around, do what you want, girl. I'm like, oh my god. And but that's anyway, another thing. Will you cheer us up with? Ghost yes, stories. I'm going to cheer us up with just <laughs> frightening stories. They're just straight up frightening. Yeah, you um, take a little break. Yeah, let me take a little break, and then we'll come. I'll make us. Right. Shall I make us another drink? Yes. Uh... And we're back. We're back. We're a little calmer. A little calmer. So full disclosure, it's been a really busy week for me um, because I've been moving. Mm -hmm. So I haven't had, and it was a complicated move because we were just, we were moving a short distance and that actually makes it a lot harder in some ways because we waited to the last minute to do anything. Because yeah. we're like, we don't have to pack that. We'll just walk it over. And <laughs> it wasn't smart. So it was very, it was very, um, and we tried to just do it with like three people um, right. moving and it was really, so I'm sore and, and there's just, we realized we had a lot of shit. We're just really good at squirreling stuff away and being like, and then opening a drawer or a cabinet being like, oh fuck, there's a lot more in there than I thought. That's more than just a handful. Um, so anyway, all of which to say, so instead of doing research on, on a particular topic, I thought I, I do spend a lot of my free time, like just for going to bed, I'll go to like reddit no sleep or right. i'll go to like a youtube video and watch some subject and be like oh that's good i get a lot of inspiration that way mm -hmm. but i saw one we were talking about the camping and woods and alejandro's stunning opener for this episode just yes. made me think okay i'm just gonna go to reddit and i'm gonna look up a topic that i'd recently someone had brought up um that was it was from ask reddit and it was forest rangers what are some of your unexplainable and downright creepy stories i love it and a lot of them... Forest Rangers, forest, forest Rangers. Oh. Now, not all of these come from Forest Rangers. A few of them do. Some of them just come from people that are like... They started off by, not a Forest Ranger, but here's yeah. some shit that happened yeah, in I've a national forest. Yeah, i a lot forest. of that, too. 
And so I picked five of my favorites and I'm just going to read them straight because they're really fucking good and they kind of make me want to go camping. Um, So (laughs) the first one comes from someone who called themselves Clockwork Girl 21. Mm. And um, so thank you, whoever you are. In 2016, my boyfriend, now husband, and I went camping in eastern Pennsylvania. The place we decided to stop for the night was primitive. (laughs) Camping was free, no cell service, barely a road, etc. We did encounter two other people. They might not factor into what happened later, but they were creepy, so I'll describe them. It's like the beginning of a horror movie. The, <laughs> what was it? What do they call that trope? The warning. Um, the first was a woman who had a truck off the side of the road. Uh, she had just a little bit. Uh, we drove past. She had the hood open and seemed to be waiting for someone to stop and offer help. Usually my boyfriend had no problem helping someone, but he said that this time something about her put him off. Oh. She didn't really seem like she needed help. And usually people who do look at you hopefully as you approach. She just looked like she just expected us to stop. <laughs> That's what my boyfriend said anyway. I don't remember uh, actually noticing anything strange I love about that her. idea that he's like, she expects us to stop. Fuck that bitch. But, I, but you know, sometimes I'll tell you, sometimes you like you go and like, oh, there's something weird. Something something's off. Your instinct kicks in. Your gut tells I'm you like, always, don't stop. That's a trap. I'm always impressed, though, when a straight man listens to that instinct, because so many times and I don't mean to bag on straight guys right now. <laughs> this is not what this not this all is. straight men. Alejandro's like, please don't say my name. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is, I've always said, you know, women, um, and I think by proxy, a lot of minorities and a, and a lot of gay men, transgender, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are used to having a heightened sense of safety and We security. have to because we can't count on society to help us. To protect us, Does that right. make sense? I mean, yes. like we can't, so we have to, we have to fucking keep our fucking shit yes. sharp. And for women specifically, it has been eons of you, you're, and you're. pretty much from the beginning. Yeah, your town is going to be taken over by these new guys and you're going to be someone else's wife, but you're probably going to be tried on several times by some other guys first. Yeah. And so your kids might be you killed. So it learn is, to read body language. It is, yeah, you've got to, it is ingrained in us to be afraid mm-hmm. of our surroundings and to be on Well, guard. and to listen to your fear. Whereas guys yeah. feel like I should, guys tend to, um, and again, I don't want to single out straight guys, but but guys that that have been, and they just uh, tend to be straight guys in my experience. But guys tend to be very, they don't want to show fear because they they want to be like, nah, nah. Yeah. They, they, or it they just don't doesn't wanna... occur to them, you know. Like my brother was walking with one of his friends, and some guy in a parking lot was shouting at him, and and I mean, we're smart asses. This is no surprise. He was shouting something smart assy to the guy and his friend. It was a girl and she told him to shut up. She was like, stop talking to him. Don't talk to him. This is not funny. Do not, this is not a joke. And she got really mad at him and they ended up having a little fight about it. And when I talked to him, I was like, you go apologize to her. And the next time you are with a woman and she says, stop doing whatever you're doing, you stop doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, she's, she's picking up on something you, you don't. And Cause you're just not, it's not a part of, who, of well, your genetic you're, makeup at this point. I, but so well, anyway, yeah. all of that is yeah. to say that yeah. when, when a man is like, something's wrong and he listens to it, I'm always impressed. <laughs> All of that is to say, good job, that guy. Good job, good job, good job boyfriend. Well, he's husband now. Yeah. So uh, the next person came when we had chosen a spot and we're setting up fire for hot dogs. I had noticed people drive by a few times. My boyfriend pointed out each time it was the same car. 
and the man in the car watched us each time he passed. Now, my boyfriend was a little uneasy about this, but we'd driven around for a while before finding a place we liked. It had been raining and everything was muddy and we wanted the driest side possible. We could have been doing the same, or this guy uh, could have been doing the same thing. We briefly thought about moving, but the road was muddy too. If he wanted to find us, all he had to do was follow the tracks. So there were some other tracks, but not many. He'd only have to backtrack a little to locate us again. He didn't come by another time, so we stayed and spent the several remaining hours before dark goofing off. No one else drove by. I love the logic. It was like, well, I mean, if it's a serial killer, he's going to find us anyway. We might as well just stay here and be comfortable. But also, Um, he's paying attention. I love it. Yes. He sounds a lot like me. I'm the one that's like, but that could happen. Right. What about this? What about this? <laughs> I shouldn't say, and I don't want to feed anyone's anxiety because sometimes it's like, sometimes your, your, your gut's going to just go overboard and tell you things that aren't so, but you got to give it a fair hearing in my opinion. That's so right. uh, whether or not those who had anything, uh, those two had anything to do with, with our experience, the fear, the real fear came later. <sighs> we had gone to sleep in our tent sometime around 3 a.m. We were woken by a very loud noise. I can't describe it very well or even remember exactly what it sounded like, but my boyfriend said it reminded him of a chain gun revving up. What is a chain gun? I don't know. I'm I'm picturing something that sounds like a jackhammer. Um, see if you can find what a chain gun it. is. Um, it also, or maybe maybe it's a gun that like you feed ammo to, and it's like I I, I don't know. My imagination is going all over the place. I just yeah, hear the word too. gun and revving, and it terrifies me. It was similar to how it would sound if someone recorded a shovel being dragged over gravel and played <laughs> it over a loudspeaker. Uh, he jumped up and looked out the little window in our tent, but couldn't really see anything. The sound repeated itself another few times. I was too scared, I was too scared to speak, so my boyfriend whispered that it was probably miles off and I should just go back to sleep. I didn't question this as I figured loud sounds could easily be heard miles off in that area. After we left, he told me it sounded like it had actually been coming from just down the road, but he didn't want to freak me out. Okay, Looking- so... A chain gun is a type of machine gun or autocannon that uses an external source of power to cycle the weapon rather than diverting energy from the cartridge and does so via a continuous loop of chain similar to that used on a motorcycle or bicycle. Uh, Chain gun is a registered trademark of orbital ATK for externally powered machine guns. mm, mm. I can see it now. That's terrifying. Yeah, I can. Okay. Uh, I was so terrified. Every little thing I heard outside sounded like someone was walking around the tent. We laid there for a while longer when finally my boyfriend told me to get dressed because we were leaving. I got alarmed by this and even more alarmed when he unwrapped the machete we had brought just for this trip from its plastic before opening the tent. He quickly packed up. We quickly packed up and loaded the car. I looked around for footprints that weren't our own, but despite the moon providing plenty of light, I couldn't really see. I did I did point out something my boyfriend hadn't noticed though before we got into the car. There was a beer can by our dead fire that hadn't been there before. Oh, we didn't no. even bring beer. While we were driving away, my boyfriend explained that he was nervous someone might have been trying to lure us out, so he didn't think it was a good idea to run from the tent wider right away. He is husband material. He I'm just is. saying. He also half expected to find uh, our gas tank had been siphoned out, but that wouldn't have stopped us because we had a hybrid. Ha ha. We joked. <laughs> <laughs> we joked that that would make a really good funny hybrid commercial. A uh, number of brutal <laughs> murders avoided by driving a hybrid, too. Uh, we, <laughs> we joked because we were about shitting ourselves from fear and adrenaline. Um, the rest of our trip, we only stayed in well-populated campsites or a hotel. Oh, uh, why are you oh. sleeping on the ground when you can sleep in a hotel? I know, right? Well, you swore you've got us freaking out about hotels. Now I'm going to be looking for bullet holes. Right. Um, but at least there's a wall for the bullet hole to go in. 
<laughs> that also protects you from the elements right. and serial killers. Ceilings are also fantastic. Uh, right. I'm just saying. This other forest story comes. The next one comes from someone that's called Sand Dragon or Sand. Sorry, Sand Dargon. Sand Dargon. Sand Dargon. I think Dargon is uh, one of the uh, elders from Lovecraftian cosmology. I think I could be wrong, but either way. Thank okay. you, whoever this is. Let's just go with it. Uh, to be clear, I'm not in forestry. I just have a related story. My cousin is with the Forest Service in the Montana-Wyoming area, and I decided to go up there with her to literally test the waters. She does hydrology and has to ride out in the middle of nowhere to test streams and snow runoff to ensure no can uh, to ensure that there's no contaminants. So I thought that sounded fun and wanted to do a bit of a tour with her. I'm sorry. They thought that sounded fun? <laughs> she want to establish uh, that this person might not be... 100%. <laughs> we were going to have, we we're going to have to camp out there for two nights. So we packed up all our gear and saddlebags and uh, started out. The first day and night were amazing. Beautiful scenery and good air quality. It really is so peaceful out there. I love that area and I wish I got to go up there more often. Anyway, until, we started out <laughs> until un- we started there's out. There's always an until. always until. Yeah, quite a long until. Anyway, we started out on the second day and my cousin said, do you want to see something weird? Of course, I said yes. So she led me off a bit of uh, onto a side journey uh, into this tiny little ravine. We wound up traveling about two hours away from our actual path. At the very end of this fold in the land, she dismounted and told me to get off of my horse, too. Uh, we tie them up in this little gorgeous clearing, and she tells me to follow this tiny wildlife path and bring our little rechargeable radios. Uh, it was one of those you can plug, uh, re- excuse me, just one rechargeable radio. It's one of those you can plug in or wind up, and it also acts as a lantern if you really need it to, but that kills the batteries oh, really quickly. You those are those? awesome, yeah. They are awesome. Like, Everybody mm-hmm. should have those, yeah. Um, I do, and out in the middle of fucking nowhere, there was a huge coil of wire sticking out of the ground. The wire itself was not weirdly large, like some buried transmission wire, but small, like 10 or 12 gauge wiring for a house. It trailed off into the bush, uh, into the brush and trees, so naturally I decided to follow the damn thing out of curiosity. My cousin trails behind me, as I do. Excuse me, sorry, you're also trailing behind me. How do you trail behind yourself? My cousin trails behind me as as I do, as I follow the wire. (laughs) And coming straight up from the ground, It strung across limbs of trees, then back to the ground. Then it snaked around some rocks and finally dead-ended into an outlet. The outlet was mounted on the side of a desk. It looked like a schoolteacher's desk from when I was growing up, with a metal base and a pseudo-wood plastic top thingy. No chair, no building, no nothing. Just Just this this, this outlet and this desk. I am. I, I'm. I stared confused as hell at this desk in the middle of the forest when my cousin took the radio, pulled out a cord, and plugged it into the outlet. The fucker lit up and started blaring music. <laughs> the wire was being fed from somewhere. Now the place where we were had no road access, no buildings for many miles, and no other people around. And yet there was a live fucking outlet. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the architect. I wonder. <laughs> the architect was in there going. Somebody's like living off the grid. Like, well, well, not entirely. Not entirely. <laughs> Someone's but, stealing from the grid. Yeah, can you? Imagine? But there's just a desk. There's just a fucking desk. That's so funny so to me. Weird. Like, this is all an illusion. Like that forest isn't even real. That's, that's a glitch like, in the matrix. That's, yeah, it's a glitch is. in the fucking matrix, and like that's someone. That's a custodial desk. Yeah. Like, oh shit, sorry. Uh, I get. Yeah, it's my job to change the leaves colors. Right. At certain yeah. times Oopsies. of year. Oh, God, right? Okay. Uh, Oh, that's a good one. That's so weird. 
she's right. Okay. That was weird. This is okay. That was yeah. Desk in the middle of nowhere. Okay, this is the trail companion. This is good. Um, I forgot to. I didn't get who this was from, so I'm really sorry. But it's a good story, and it's kind of a, it's a quick one. But it's good. It's very ghosty. Uh, not a ranger, but was hiking in Andorra with a friend. Long story short, we got lost off the trail and ended up in Spain. Found another trail, and we're uh, we following it, but without a map. Uh, a bit oh ahead gosh, of us. This is terrifying already. Right. Uh, a bit ahead of us, we saw a man with two golden retrievers walking in the same direction. Uh, he looked young and was carrying climber gear over his shoulder. We rushed down the trail to catch up with him and finally do. He, uh, we ask him for help uh, with directions and he tells us exactly where we are and where we need to be. About 12 kilometers away, there is a town with a hotel. He says there's another smaller town about six kilometers away and that he parked his car there. He says he can give us a lift uh, for the last six uh, kilometers if we like, but says that he's in a hurry. We are over the moon and so we hike together for a while. The dogs are nice and friendly, running circles around us. We are chanting away, uh, chatting away to the guy and he is really nice, but my friend and I are getting tired and we cannot keep pace with him for long. The trail bends away to the right, and the man, now a bit ahead of us, disappears behind the bend. We get there a couple minutes later, and the trail is empty. No man, no dogs, even though the trail is as a straight run for quite a while, and we should have been able to see them. The two of us continue on, alarmed, waiting to hear or see something, or perhaps be murdered by a stranger, but there's nothing. We get to the town eventually, and from there made it to the safety of the hotel in the next town over. We were completely freaked out by the sudden by his sudden disappearance, and to this day are both convinced he was a ghost. Oh. Ghost man with ghost dogs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was in a hurry. Right? So. Or maybe he was just like, fuck. I don't wanna I'm just gonna hide behind these trees and make my dogs stay there. That's kind of a dick movie. He's like, I don't like these girls. That's really funny. Maybe that's his side of the story. And they're like, Is Yeah, it? he's like, oh man. These people they're <laughs> slowing down. My Quick dog. They're slowing me down. <laughs> uh, seems unlikely, though. Yeah, seems unlikely. So it seems unlikely. Unlikely? Unlikely. No likely. No likely. No like no man on the trail in Spain. Getting lost and ending up in another Spain, like another country. That's terrifying. Um, hope you brought your passport. Uh, this one comes from uh, someone, Junk's Edge. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> it, but it's spelled like uh, J U N K X E D. GE, so it's like junk zedge, like zedge. All zedge right. is junk. I don't know what it means. Okay. Not a ranger, <laughs> but I used to be in a group that someone like the Scouts. So we spent a lot of time in the woods and some weird shit happened often, but most of the time it was easy to explain. One thing happened though that to this day scares the living shit out of me. This one is big. This one is like terrifying. Okay, I'm ready. I was a leader for the age group 8 to 10 years old, and we were out on a camping trip. It was the first year we stayed on that terrain, and it was huge. Normally, we tend to explore the majority of a terrain before the kids arrive, so we were aware of any possible dangerous spots to avoid. This time, it was impossible. Every camp we have, uh, every camp we have what we call a night game. It's usually a scary game in which the kids have to com uh, complete several tasks while the leaders scare the ever-living shit out of them. I remember those times. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we had one. Uh, obviously, we had one during that camp. We masked up as monsters and hid out in the woods close to the checkpoints they had to pass. While running in between checkpoints, I found an open stretch of forest with little to no uh, foliage, so it was ideal for chasing after them. There was no real room to hide beside the trees, uh, but besides behind the trees, so I couldn't use my flashlight or they'd be able to see me from miles away. It was dark, like the unsettling kind of dark that plays tricks on your eyes and you start imagining things that aren't there. You mean like the dark kind of dark that's in the fucking forest? <laughs> 
during my stay there, I saw a shadow that was around my size running past me a few times. I couldn't see it very well, so I just assumed <laughs> I was imagining things because nothing was there when I turned my flashlight on. Oh, no. The game was nearing its end, and I saw the shadow again. This time, I could see it vaguely standing near a tree, not too far from where I was standing. I thought it was one of the other leaders hiding to scare kids and decided to go over there, and as it was about time to go back... I aimed my flashlight toward the tree, and while getting closer, I noticed that there was indeed someone standing there, dressed in what looked like a torn burlap sack, and they had their head covered with a few white plastic bags <gasps> that looked like they were tied together. No! I started to feel pure dread. Something felt really, really off. I asked if everything was okay, but they didn't respond. The only thing I heard was this very weird sound that sounded like someone was knocking on wood. Nevertheless, I went a bit closer until I was about 10 meters away. The knocking sound turned out to be that person smacking their head repeatedly yeah. into the tree, and I noticed he looked male. He was barefoot, and his arms and legs were covered with crusted mud. His hands were in a weird, cramped position. I was convinced this was just one of the other leaders pulling a prank, so I told him to knock it off. He slowly turned his head and started walking toward me. No! No! <laughs> right? I'm no. like, oh, 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 God. Oh. Something inside me just told me to run. Yeah. Didn't matter if it was just a stupid prank and I ran away uh, and I ran, sorry, something inside me told me to run. It didn't matter if it was just a stupid prank and I ran away scared for nothing. If this wasn't a prank, it felt like I was in serious danger. So uh. I ran as fast as I could. I heard him running after <gasps> me. But I didn't want to turn around to look, as I'd probably run into a tree. No. I arrived back at camp at, at the campsite. That's how you fall down. Right. I arrived back at the campsite, and every single person that could be dressed like that was already there. <gasps> no! They couldn't have gotten there before me, and if they did, they sure as hell didn't have time to change their regular clothes, not to mention wash all the fucking mud off their arms. Still, I told them, and they gave me a good scare. Uh, sorry, I told them, and they gave me... What, 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 what? Oh, sorry. I told them they just looked at we uh, looked at me weird, thinking I was trying to scare them, and we left it at that. Next day, I wanted to go check let it out. Let them right, let whatever it is right to where everybody was. Right. Next day, I wanted to go check it out. Who knows? Maybe some weirdo ate the wrong mushroom and might be out there dying from hypothermia. I took someone else with me just in case, and there was nothing there but endless trees. We arrived at the tree where I saw the person banging his head, and there was a dead, skinned, decomposing rabbit nailed to the tree. <sighs> We called the cops. They looked around quickly and brushed it off as just some prank from another scouting group or some kids from the nearby town and left it at that. We didn't notice anything weird after that, so it probably was a dumb prank. But seriously, some people have a fucked up sense of humor. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> Right? Okay. Next one. This is also really good. Okay. Uh, and this was, this was apparently this got so many upvotes that they just had to repost it from a throwaway account because it kind of, it took over the thread it was in, I suppose. Okay. So um, this is also really good. Okay. So I've been a ranger in the USFS for almost 15 years, but this takes place about three years after I joined. We were getting calls about a lone wolf with a collar on hanging around campsites. Weird since wolves aren't known to be in the area, but when you work in the field long enough, you start to realize anything is possible. No calls had mentioned violent behavior from the animal, thank God. I departed from the station around noon to check out the places that it had been sighted. Wandering around for about three hours, no further calls during that time, until I took a break for water. I sat down, had a snack, drank some water, and was getting ready to go again when the thing was about 20 feet out, trotting near the tree line. It seemed friendly and had the, uh, had the collar, so I whistled to it, and he came over to me. Getting closer look... I could see it wasn't a wolf. It was huge, but it was dark and didn't have the right body structure, though I could see why it would be confusing from a distance. 
I radioed in and reported that I had the dog with me, but as soon as I said I'd bring it in, the dog fucking took off. Like oh. he was playing, like to see how far he could get, uh, uh, he could go for me to chase him. Typical dog behavior. I went after it, and I swear it was a game of chase for at least five minutes as we steadily ran through the forest. Please don't go running through the woods unless you know the area, like the back of your hand. <laughs> the dog. Finally, Please don't go into the woods unless you know the area like the back of your hand. <laughs> the dog finally slowed down near a rock, uh, a rock bed slash creek area, and started pacing around the spot. Uh, I drew closer and didn't see anything off at first. Then I noticed it. The overgrowth had almost disguised what appeared to be bones. I called it in immediately. Another team uh, went over to recover the remains. When I went to retrieve the dog, he was just gone. But honestly, it wasn't a priority at that point. He was friendly enough, and I figured we'd catch up with him later. The bones were identified as a teenage male's, died by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He'd been reported missing in the area long before I'd become a ranger, and there'd been pl pretty much no hope of ever finding him. I spoke to his mom on the phone. Uh, she called to thank me personally, and she asked how I'd found her son. I mentioned the black dog, uh, then uh, thought I'd said something wrong since there was a pause on the other end of the line. After I gave a couple of details about the dog, she quietly explained that her son, who struggled with making connections, had sunken into a deep depression after the death of his best friend. The very dog that had led me to his bones. <gasps> oh no! I think I spent the rest of the day stunned. I continue to be in disbelief in a way, but I know what happened. Oh, It's so sad. It's so sad. And yet, such a good story. I know, right? Dogs are so great. I love dogs. Oh. For the oh. record, my friendships wouldn't lead no one to my bones. No. Um, they're just, they love people too much. They'd be like, you're my new friend. Yeah, um, they might <laughs> take one of your bones and lead it to somebody else. <laughs> but. Uh, last story. And it's a, it's a corker. <clears throat> oh, man. All right. Who wants to go camping now, kids? Not um, me, never, ever do is, I want to go is, camping. I so I should say that the throwaway account that uh, the last story comes from said that um, they, I think they, now that I recall, they reposted the story and they took out some of the details because they wanted to protect the family's privacy. Because mm. it was actually a well-known uh story the death of the kid gone missing so the last story is from someone called suitology i have a friend who is a trail ranger basically a ranger who can't get you in trouble he told me <laughs> he told me about this time he was gathering illegally placed wildlife cameras and knocking down hunting stands feeders and blinds with other actual ranger the other ranger wasn't feeling well so he said he was going to head back and uh, as it was an hour atv ride uh, the friend finished up the last. Uh, my friend finished up the last one when he heard voices. Keep in mind, he's far off the beaten path. He called out, and no one replied. It was getting dark, and he started to head back, and found that his ATV wouldn't start. He <gasps> no! then noticed that the battery was not connected anymore. No. He reconnected it and started to drive, uh, but it wasn't going fast at all. Less than half a mile later, the whole thing just died. He radioed back, basically saying, "Hey guys, I need someone to come pick me up." Uh, they told him they would, but it would be about an hour. He asked if the other guy had got back, and they said, no, not yet. He settled down and started a small fire, but before long, he heard the voices again. It's dark. He's not happy. The voices sound like an argument now. Someone was angry and yelling at someone else who sounded more scared. He called out and asked if anyone needed help. The voices didn't seem to care. 
He guessed they had to be less than a thousand feet away. He radioed again, and they said they were having trouble finding what path he might be on and hadn't left yet. He asked them just to get to the other ranger to tell them about... He asked them just to get the other ranger to tell them about where they were, uh, because he'd left with the iPad um, that had the map. They said he still wasn't back. About three more minutes go by, and my friend heard the voices start up again. He decides to walk toward them, hoping maybe they can stop being drunk assholes, and maybe, maybe they have a map. He walked in the direction, but the voices seemed to be getting further as he got closer. Finally, after 20 minutes, he gave up and walked back. He got a uh, he got a radio call, and they said the other guy was found passed out, covered in vomit, and was being taken oh. to the hospital. But he crossed off everywhere they found on the uh, found a stand, so they had a general idea where my friend was. Uh, the ra- then the radio died, and the voices came back. Bored out of his mind, he decided to listen to what they were arguing about, um, picking up little things like, "Well, it wasn't yours to take. I don't fucking care. You knew better," and so on. His guess was two hunters were arguing over a kill. Then he heard the one shout, something intelligible, uh, unintelligible, then silence, then bang, a gunshot. He doused his fire and hid. After that, he heard nothing, just his breathing for the next half hour until he saw ATV lights. He told the guy picking him up that everything, uh, he told the guy picking him up everything, and they called, uh, they called back. They had people looking for three hours and found nothing. They came back the next day with police and dogs. After about an hour... A shallow grave was found, and in it was a long-dead man who had clearly been shot in the face. The thing is, it was a skeleton who'd been there for years. So either the argument, my friend heard, just ended with a bang and both parties went home last night, or he heard the murder of someone from years ago. Oh! Ooh! Those Why are the stories that... taken out? That's that's fucked up. Now maybe it fell loose. It wasn't the battery was disconnected. It wasn't like right, taken but I mean, out. That's but maybe not the it. wire. This maybe I don't know. I don't know. And then I it died. Know. Taking the energy. Maybe the ghost the wanted the remains to be found. That's a pretty typical. That's a pr- pretty so. typical thing. Ghosts want to be. Ugh. They're like, hey. And maybe the reason that the other ranger was feeling sick was because of the energy or whatever. Maybe. Because I always want to puke whenever there's something weird around me. Maybe. I also want to puke whenever I'm hungry. Or <laughs> or overfed or tired. Or when you're in the woods in general. Oh, God, just going. The idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why oh. did you tell me those? I'm going to have nightmares now. Well, you're safe in a suburban home. It's not suburban. It's basically suburban. No, it's, it's not. not in the fucking woods. That's true. What would you call it? This is suburban, suburban neighborhood. It's not suburban. It, it's, it's not, not downtown. Urban. But it's it's, it's more urban than Plano. It's, it's well, I guess, but it's not. I mean, it's still technically suburban because it's yeah. not. If it's not in this, if it's not in the actual city city, city part, it's, it's called. He's suburban. just saying this because he lives in the city proper. I'm super hip, you guys. Because yeah. I live in the city proper. Whatever. Whatever. Sometimes I miss the suburbs. Yeah. There's there's a <laughs> there's, there's, there's a, a metro PCS station like store and right next to. Uh-huh. A uh, cash advance store not too far from me. So this is not the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> it's the modern suburb. I grew up in the country suburbs, which is. I like grew a, up in the country, country. Yeah, I grew up in country suburb that was like it was in transition. It, it's a, it's a suburb now, but at the time it was just like the country going. I'll have a little suburb pop up here. Just we're right. gonna try it out. Yeah, like a little bit of little acne. Right, <laughs> right. Just gonna have a little acne, a little little. We're gonna dot the country landscape with with some some cheap housing. 
right. for people that are fleeing the city. See how that goes. Mm. Yeah, mm. right. So thank you guys for letting oh, me be lazy this week. I promise next week I will have, I Those already know great, what my topic though. is going to be and I'm going to research the topic and I'm going to do my job. I'm going to, I'm going to, I already know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Too. Can you give us a hint? Yes. What? I went to Charleston last weekend. Oh yes, you oh, did. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. You're going to have to, you're going to have to choose one, but I know which I know. one I'm going to do. I, yeah. Okay. I think I know but too. I'll probably. Does it involve murder? Murder. 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 And a hanging. Foul. Uh, yeah, I also yeah. caught this really great video while I was in Charleston at one of the ghost tours. Please do. It was really great. I'll either talk about it in the Ghosticles episode next time or the podcast. Or both. Or both. It's a I good video. She sent it to me like, I guess a few minutes after you took it. Uh-huh, after I, I saw like, it. <gasps> I yeah, like, it's pretty yeah. creepy. It's pretty weird. I, I took a break from moving and be like, you guys, you have to see this. Yeah, it's good. And they were both like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's real weird. It's so weird. It's, uh, and you're not the only person that caught something. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's basically catch some, catching something weird on, not like a ghost or anything, but something weird. It was fucking weird. On the camera that was not visible or not, not visible, not visible to, the to the naked eye. Yeah. As the case may be. We'll talk about it later. Though. I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you gotta keep so them, gotta keep them coming back. Keep you on your toes, yeah. you guys. But Charleston was amazing. The convention was awesome. Yeah, um, it's a great city. And so, you know, it was good. But uh, until next time, remember, it's, it's okay, okay to, to sleep, sleep with, with the, the lights, lights on. on. Unless you're in the fucking woods. And just don't do that. <laughs>